how should you plan for when your home becomes too small or when the next one gets too big? At Sandy Spring Bank, we're here to help create personalized solutions for financing your home loan. Whether it's a new home or refinance, renovation or addition, fixer-upper or new build. Banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your mortgage. Visit sandyspringbank.com mortgage. Mortgage, home equity, and other credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank, equal housing lender. <laughs> it would be a wall spot, eh? Hello everyone and welcome to the latest Wolves Fancast pre-match episode, part of the 90 Minute Network. It's little Dan here and this week I've got Wolves correspondent for the Express and Star and the Wolves poddy, the babyface assassin himself. <laughs> it's Liam Keane. How are you doing, Liam? Yes, all good, mate. All good. How about yourself? Very good. Uh, it's been an, a nice week. Obviously, it's, it's only Thursday. I wish it was Friday and we were heading towards the bar after this, but I can wait another 24 hours. It's nice to actually do these episodes on the back of a win has it been for you this week on that one nil win after Southampton yeah yeah it's been really good it's um you know it, it changes each week doesn't it with, with Wolves you know you never know what's gonna what's gonna happen and and sort of the reaction and the fallout sometimes from from results um and it, you know it wasn't the a vintage performance from Wolves by any means um but a bit of magic from Raul a great goal, a very good result at a much needed time. And then also little things that come out of the week as well, like my, my chat with Connor Cody and uh, him talking about the criticism and how sort of difficult that is to deal with. And uh, I suppose the the reflection that you have after that with, with social media and what it's like, I mean, you know, as well as I do, it can be a bit uh, a bit difficult at times. So uh, yeah, it's it's been, a, it's been a good week of, you know, following on from what was a much needed performance, some good, uh, good chats with Connor that were that were really needed, and then uh, looking forward to looking forward to Saturday as well. Yeah, I think just touching on that um, comment in regards to your article on Connor Cody and the negativity that he's been receiving recently, I think even the fan cast internally have been, especially this week, have looked at the way we sort of word particular tweets and try not to be as emotionally as involved in regards to that sort of non-constructive criticism but um i think everyone needs to do better i think the service and commitment that he's put in at this club is like i said it's second to none really he's we, we put the, the tweet out the other day that it's not his fault that bruno wants to play a back four and in a back four he's not one of the the first center backs that comes to everyone's mind um he has been a bit indifferent with with his form recently but He's still getting England call-ups and all these people who make these comments like shouty man and the only reason he's good is because he shouts. It's You don't get to where he's got in his career just by being a talker on the pitch. Or in, a, in, a fantasy, in, a, in a fantasy world, yeah, but we don't live in a fantasy world, do we? No, no, that's, that's bang on. I mean, he is clearly a very, very talented footballer. You know, he came through the academy at Liverpool, got, you know, I think it was it two appearances off the top of my head there. Um, first team appearances that is um, you know he, he's he's had to adapt his game as well hasn't he you know when Nuno first came in he was a 
a centre midfielder that was playing right back for large, well, a whole season virtually with uh, with the injuries. Um, and he's he's had to adapt his role, and I think he's done it perfectly. I think it suits him down down to the ground. And you're totally right. You know, he's had uh, in different forms probably a, a kind way to put it. To be honest, I think he's been fairly poor for a couple of games, um, and that's been brutally honest. But you know, players go in and out of form. Uh, and I thought against Southampton, he had his, his best game of the season. Obviously, it's only only just started, but um, I thought he was very good against Southampton, very good. And then other players as well, like Roman Sainz, I thought he's had, uh, indifferent, I'll use that word again, I thought um, some very average and poor halves within games. Second half of Southampton, I thought he was great. So, um, you know, the, these are professional footballers in 2021. Um, you know, they don't get to where they are without having something about them. Um and they're very adaptable and very intelligent footballers nowadays. It's not the same football of the 1960s where, you know, they're down at the pub after the game with all the fans uh, chatting about it. It's a, it's, a different, it's a different world nowadays. And unfortunately, they've got Twitter to deal with. And uh, if I was a footballer, I wouldn't be on it personally. No, it's a, it is a minefield. And you can see why players have social media teams working on their behalf because the slightest couple of words wrong in a tweet and you're under the buzz, aren't you? It's, it is a cutthroat area of being a professional footballer I think you just touched on regards to people having in different form and and as you said people being actually poor Um, Max Kilman was announced as Castor's player of the month today which I've made it sort of clear over the last 12 months that I'm I'm not in the King Kilman club as some of our fancastrians go on about I think he's a good player but I think in the long term, I still think he needs to improve a lot of his game in order for us to be challenging for the European places again. So I think a lot of our players in August and September have been way below par. And I think that's why he, he literally stood out in August, September as being like the player who's, who's earned that trophy. I think he has been head and shoulders above everyone else, but I think that just shows how everyone else was, has performed around him. Um, just quickly touch on the Southampton game again. It was... Uh, an amazing moment for all Wars fans after the last year, really, without Raul just quickly go back to the goal itself. Muscles on Benderick. Still Jimenez. Is this his moment? Wonderful goal for the Mexican. Raul Jimenez is back. Unreal moment for for the travelling contingent. I know you were there on Sunday. What was the atmosphere like for you there? I wish I was in the away end <laughs> when it went off. It was, uh, I said this on our podcast. Yeah, exactly. I said this on our podcast. It seemed, it was almost quite an emotional moment. Um, and I felt strangely, I, I wouldn't say emotional, you know, I wasn't you know, getting upset in the press box, but I was uh, I was just so happy to see him um, get a goal, first of all, after what he's been through. And, you know, we did the the big media interview that he did in, in August um, where he was talking about, you know, doctors telling him it was a miracle he was still alive and the fact that he's, still alive and got back and playing football again is is incredible. So that in itself, um, you're so happy that he scored. But you could just the, the way he celebrated, um, the timing of the the goal that Wolves needed a win, uh, needed a result, they got it, uh, right in front of the away fans. And as I said there, the, the way he celebrated it, it seemed to me like he it was a mixture of relief, a bit of anger as well. He was he, he seemed um like he really got a weight off his shoulders getting the goal. Um now he's gonna have other things to deal with you know he's he's not going to score every single week I obviously think he's a, a wonderfully talented player but um he's got issues with you know the international stuff and they're still trying to figure out come to a, a resolution with that and Mexico and red list countries and everything so that's still up in the air so he's got things on his mind um I, I can imagine but what a weight off the shoulders for him to get it and what a 
a brilliant goal as well. I mean, it was classic Raul Jimenez, wasn't it? Just bullying the defender, strength, power, um, composure, and a great finish. Uh, so just really pleased for him uh, as a person, as a footballer. Uh, I think he deserved it, and it was a it was a really good moment, wasn't it? I was I was pleased more than anything that the referee allowed it to go on because I've seen sort of challenges in the past where refs would have pulled that back for that little hustle mm. that he he did on um, Bednarak. I think we've all been sort of Raul especially cocooned in that moment away at Arsenal when he had the horrific injury, and I think you saw the emotion sort of pour out of him as he hit the back of the net. And if there was anyone that needed a goal, it was him, wasn't it? You look at sort of the way that he's performed recently a lot of people have sort of said that he hasn't really been at his best but without sort of goals is he ever really at his best I think I saw one stat going into last weekend that there was only Trent Alexander and Jack Grealish had created more chances than him so you, you sort of think is, is he really performing as poor as the goal output has shown in recent games no I don't think he has um I think he's had poor moments in games I think he's had quiet halves and the Rabana um, against Brentford. <laughs> that was comical, to be fair. Um, he loves a Rabona, doesn't he, Rowley? Yeah. One of the one of the times it's going to come off. Um, yeah, no, he's had poor moments. Of course he has. Um, you know, if he hadn't, he'd been firing. You know, he'd be on four or five goals already by now. But um, I think he has looked fairly sharp. I think the Brentford game was probably the one that he'd pull out and say he was pouring, but so was the rest of the squad, to be fair, against Brentford. So... Um, I think you can pull out certain moments the flick around the corner for Semedo in the first half at Watford. Uh, sorry, second half at Watford. Um, that that was a you know a vintage Raul uh, opportunity that he's created out of nothing there. That was the kind of link that we had with with Doherty for the whole time, didn't he? So, um, so yeah, I I do think he's played better than some people are giving him credit for. But at the same time, feel like he does need a bit of has needed a bit of time to sort of get into his rhythm a bit. Um, I think he's getting there now, and the goal is going to do wonders for that as well. It's not only confidence and um, he'll say, you know, if you speak to him, you say he's a, you know, a confident player, never had lost belief, but it's only natural that when the goals don't come, he's going to want one just to drop him off his backside or just hit, you know, just get a better look. He didn't need the better look. It was a wonderful goal and that's going to do him the world of good for, for, for sure. I mean, he's a, he's a great player, a great striker. He is, for me, you know, if you outside the traditional top six teams, um, He's probably in there. He's in the, the, the top five strikers, certainly. I think he's that good. Links with uh, Man City and Juventus, if you go about some areas of Twitter this week. Uh, hopefully that doesn't come about. It's just another bit of uh, interaction, chasing. Um, obviously, Yerson Mosquera was announced as being out for four to five months uh, this week. Obviously, we've still got Johnny Otto out, which is until sort of the the best part of early next year. Um, what, what else are you hearing on the injury department at Wolves at the moment? Yeah, so obviously Mosquera is a, a difficult one, a really difficult one. We spoke to, to Bruno about it and he was obviously a bit conservative with his answer. Um, it was a bit of confusion at, at, at first actually to, to sort of clear that up. But um, we do we do those interview the uh, pre-match press conferences um, over Zoom. Uh, and I think a few people misheard him um, when he was asked about it. Uh, and a few people said one month, one month uh and then i didn't quite hear him so i sort of refrained from tweeting it until i was able to clarify with him it turns out when i listened back to it he said two to three months he then when i clarified or tried to clarify with him he said one to two months uh and said probably closer to two so the sort of common denominator there was around two months which is what we reported at the time uh it turns out he was being a bit conservative with that whether he didn't know at the time or whether he was trying to 
ease the burden before a game or ease the you know the load of the of the news for fans before a game um before we were able to find out you know properly uh, i don't know but yeah uh, it's it's uh, obviously a difficult one with Mosquera and, and and unfortunate for him because what six minutes into his competitive debut we've barely seen him play we got what a half of football out of him at uh, a coventry in pre-season um a few minutes before that so would have been nice to see him play, see what he could do. Um, Johnny was it was always going to be around the New Year time, so he's on track and, and doing well, which I think is what the, the statement from the medical team said. Um, and then, yeah, the Pedro Neto stuff is interesting because it's it's all um, a little quiet at the moment. Um, obviously, there was uh, reports and rumours elsewhere that it was going to be closer to New Year. Um, Bruno has said to us it's more likely to be November into December time, which is a setback on what they had originally, which was going to be October. Um, and of course, he's now doing his extra stuff in October as well. So it's a uh, it's a case of having to wait, wait and see a little bit because it's difficult to to get information on the medical front. Um, there's obviously lots of ethical things that go into that from a, a reporting side of things. Um, and then also, of course, you know, the cards are kept very close to the chest when it comes to those kind of things as well. So as it stands, we're hoping Neto will be November, December time, but it's one of them where it's going to be revisited to to see if that is the case and if he's on track. Obviously, when the news came about, came out about him having the setback to the original injury, which then look, you, you sort of looked to sort of past December time, just, just going back to what you mentioned there, do you, do you think there's an air of trying to have a bit of leverage when it comes to the January transfer market that he's not as injured as he we, we, we might think he is? So if we have to replace that area, we're not being held ransom oh, i wouldn't surprise me i mean this all all of these kind of games go into a transfer window don't they it's uh it's uh transfer windows are a very strange time for for fans for football clubs for, for the media it's uh, uh there's a lot of um hands at play in every single deal that goes across you know contracts things like that um there's a lot of people in play in every single uh department so it's uh it's difficult to say it'd be speculation um but you know, I wouldn't say that it's um, it's far from possible. Certainly, um, clubs are always looking for leverage in transfer windows because they know information gets out. Sometimes information gets out that they want them to, and that's every club across the country. You'll find that, um, and other times information is kept in house as best as possible, uh, unless people like myself find out, of course. Um, but it's all to do, it's all to do leverage. Leverage is the key word um, because. Clubs want to get the right deal for the right players. Uh, and it's sometimes, a lot of the time, it's easier said than done, as what obviously Wolves found out. What's the latest on the Adama contract situation, as far as you're aware? Yeah, so it's ongoing. Um, you know, the the key word is patience, which I've, I've said this a few times on the on the podcast and things like that. But uh, obviously, fans want an answer straight away. Um but it's it's not, not football the, manager, is it, Liam? Yeah, exactly. It's not the reality of of football, uh, modern day football. It, it, you know, they doesn't they don't get in a room for ten minutes and you know thrash it out and say, oh, you want this much tick, you know, tick all the box and it and it goes. There's a lot of people involved, agents, family. There's loads of people involved in, in how deals get put together and, and work. Uh, and obviously on the club side of things as well, there's a lot of people involved. So, um, it, yeah, it, it, it's just patience. It's they they're working on it. Um, it's at a good stage uh, as far as I'm aware. My Where's your money? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. When my money would be, it, it's more likely to happen than not at this stage. Um, obviously, a lot, lot of things can happen. Um, but at, at, this, at this stage, it's going in a good direction. 
um, British Aviator in the comments section. Obviously, thanks everyone if you're watching and listening at the moment. Uh, if you've got any questions, drop them in. Uh, British Aviator says, what's good, lads? Are we on about the free transfer saga going around? A few articles came out this week in regards to uh, Bruno Large being asked whether we were looking within that market. What have you got for us on that? Yeah, so he, he, he didn't rule it out. He said, yes, we're going to look at all the opportunities available. Um and um, and whether that means you know a free agent or going back in for for loans and permits in January, um, but he was very he stressed the point very keenly to say that we have to be, I want it to be quality that is going to challenge for first team positions, not just to fill the squad out. Um, I think that's admirable. I think that's good. You want you want quality in the squad. At the same time, you don't want the squad to be so small that we're desperate for January to come because they've got some injuries along the way, which. At the moment, obviously, Mosquera and Aitnoy briefly um, with a concussion protocol. But any more injuries to the squad, particularly to key players, you're going to be looking over your shoulder a little bit, aren't you? So um, my understanding from sort of when the transfer window ended was is that free chances are unlikely. Uh, I still think that's the case because you'd have seen some movement by now, you'd imagine. Um, so I would I would hedge my bets to say it's unlikely that they would bring anyone in on free transfer. But the fact that Bruno has said, you know, we, we are looking at it alongside all the other avenues is, um, I, I'd say it's only good it's only good news because they have to look at all the avenues there. They'd be naive not to, I think. I did ask you off air and I, I made my opinions that I thought it might be quite a bit far-fetched. But Steve Griffiths in the comments section says, do you think we'll go back in for Botman after the injury to Mosquera and the African nations looming? It wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, he's a, he was a, a target they wanted. Um, he wanted to come. Um, I think he actually uh, said that in an interview after I reported it as well. Actually, I think over in um, over in the Netherlands, he, he, he sort of implied that he was he was keen on the move. Um, and the the issue was around money. Um, you know, Wolves were already offering a good a good amount, and and Lille were trying to get more. Um, and that's partially an issue of going down to transfer deadline day, and and you know trying to get a signing in. Um, that's only natural that clubs are going to try and get, the, the, club, the signing club at least, is going to try and get uh, you know as much money out of it as they can. Um, whether he wants to come in January, whether Wolves go back in for him, you know, it's up in the air. I, it wouldn't surprise me that Wolves do go back in. Um, but as you mentioned, you know, he's playing Champions League football, isn't he, with Lille this season? They obviously yeah. won the league. So um, if, you know, if they do well in that competition, they're doing well in the league. If he's happy, you know, it, it may not happen. Um, but I can certainly see Wolves being interested again. You know, he was a he was a target they were after, certainly. What was your sort of I know we've discussed this offline, um, being a Wolves fan yourself. What was your sort of feelings in regards to the way Wolves played their recruitment out in the summer and leaving it so late? Yeah, it's a it's a difficult one. I sort of go back and forth on it a little bit because I try and be I, I, I mean, I am a Wolves fan, but I try and be as objective as I possibly can because, um, you know, naturally I've got a little bit more of an insight and sort of information into how it all works. Um, and I do think that they left themselves open for criticism a little bit by leaving it so late. Um, but because it was so late and they obviously were trying to get, you know, Sanchez and, and Botman and a few of the names they went for uh, in the final few days, um, just because it was towards the end of the window that they tried to get those particular names uh, doesn't mean that they were sitting around for two months not doing anything. You know, they um, they went to large with a, a number of uh, targets that uh, quite a lot of them he turned down. He, he wasn't interested because he wanted that particular quality that was going to improve the first team. Um, and then there was also 
ones they you know couldn't get over the line. Um, they were interested in um, for some reason I'm forgetting his name. The lad at Cardiff, the striker. Oh, Kiefer Moore. Kiefer Moore. Don't know why that slipped my mind. Um, they uh, obviously they, they they were interested in him. Large saw him as a as a good option, as like a, a backup option striker. Um, but again, you know, Cardiff were asking for upwards of twelve million there, and that was a yeah. a pretty ridiculous price to be honest. Um, so. I can understand why they've been open for, and they have left themselves open for criticism because they they should have got some of the deals done uh, because the squad needs does need to be bigger. You know, larger said again he wants two or three extra quality players, um, but at the same time, would fans be happy if they brought in two or three extra players and they were no good or they weren't good enough? Um, you've got to sort of balance that up, and I think keeping the high standards is. It can only be a good thing. They're just riding their luck a little bit now that they don't get too many big injuries. I mean, God forbid anything happens to to Raul or Dharma or Neves, um, and they're going to be they're going to be in trouble, aren't they? With just the size of the squad. That's a it's a good point that you've just mentioned there in regards to. I think every football fan just wants to see mm. players on the back of the Express and Star holding a wall shirt <laughs> being unveiled like it used to be, and you know, like some sort of marquee Twitter unveiling. If we would have signed, I've seen people like Wolves fans say, we should try and get Eloquim Mangala. Obviously, we was linked to Kiefer Moore. If we would have signed players like that and they would have flopped, it's a lot of money that they would have thrown away just to get to January, just in the same sort of position. And then you've got players on contracts that you I'm just bumming around the training ground. So it's like I just said, it's not football manager. It's not, 10 clicks and you've signed a player there has to be some sort of due diligence and hopefully the club get it right in january slash next summer when i believe we'll have a bit more money to play with with the ffp yeah yeah it's um it's, it's there's some of the three agent names that come up i think ramirez the former chelsea midfielder he's cropped up um a few of the names and you know these a lot of these are players that you know were good about five years ago, and you know, it's. I'm not sure like they're they're quite Premier League squad quality. Um, and every single transfer you make as well, every single transfer without exception is a gamble. Um, I mean, I thought I think everyone you can ask Cristiano Ronaldo go back to Manchester United, everyone's going to say he's going to do well going back there. But even there is a slight gamble in that. Every single there's a gamble in every transfer. You don't know how it's going to play out. Um, now they could have brought in a, a Mangala, for example, and. On a, on a free, probably on quite a bit of money wages-wise, as you said, um, on a free transfer, bring him in and he might play once between now and January when they could have brought someone in anyway. Um, or they could bring him in, there could be a big injury to a centre-half and he might play 25 games um, and, and be pretty good. Uh, it, you, you just don't know, really. Uh, yeah. This is why they do so much analysis on players. Um, so, yeah, overall with the transfer window, they for me, they, it's not the squad's not big enough. They left themselves open for criticism by having a bit of a scramble. Um at the end of the window, but I like I do like the high standards of keeping because it is a very talented squad in there, um, albeit a bit short. I do like having the high standards, and they're only going to bring players in that are going to benefit and add competition. Let's quickly move to the game on the weekend, three o'clock at home to Newcastle. What's your sort of feelings going into that? Do you think there'll be any changes? I mean, it was quite surprising that Trinkau and Adama were both dropped last week. Do you think Adama will come back in this weekend? Yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if he doesn't. Um, you take into factor as well that, um, I mean, I spoke to Bruno and he said that it was tactical, uh, you know, him dropping Neves as well. Um, but you take into account that it's a home game, um, always a desperate for a win at Molyneux. And Troy is 
the kind of player that gets the fans off their seats, isn't he? Uh, and that's what Bruno wants. He wants an atmosphere there. He wants, uh, and I, I totally agree with this as well. You want Molyneux to be um, a nasty place for teams to arrive at. You want it to be intimidating. Um, and Molyneux, when it when it is on top form, is that. Uh, and the, you want that. You want it to be that for for teams. Uh, I I think Adam will come in. Uh, I think Neves will come back in. Um, I do think Marcel will keep his place, but for me. Ain't noise knocking on the door now. Um, he has to be, doesn't he? Yeah, I think I jinxed time. Marcel after I think it was the Man United game. I said, as long as we can keep him fit, I think he could be a contender for player of the season because he was doing all the basics right the first like few games, but the way I, I was seeing games. But since then, he has really been off the ball, hasn't he? His passing stats against uh, Southampton were to be complimentary atrocious, weren't they? <laughs> I don't blame you for saying that, though. I thought he had a very good start to the season as well. I totally agree with you. I thought he was great. Um, it's just I, I don't think he's a wing back by no. any means. Um, I think he's a. I think he can do a job at left back and a four. Certainly, I, I would trust him there. Um, but I think he's. I, I do think he's a left sided centre half and a three. I really do. Um, so so yeah, it's. Um, I do think Aiden always got to be knocking on the door because I think he's looked good when he's coming in the, in the Carabao Cup games. Um, so he, you know, there's a there's a decision to be made there. I think Neves will come in. I think Troyer will come in. Um, I think potentially we'll see either Huang or, or, or Podence on the other side as well. I don't think Trincao will come in. Um, but again, I know that's just my sort of opinion, me speculating. Uh, looking at Newcastle as well, they're a, they're a strange team, Newcastle, because um, by all accounts, their manager's not great, <laughs> if, if I'm being kind. Um you look at their starting eleven, and it's really not great at all. I think it's devoid of a lot of Premier League quality. Um, I think they've got quite a few injuries going into the weekend yeah, as well. We've got um, Chris from the um, Gallagher Shots podcast coming on in a few moments to go over yeah. that. Uh, but they're they're a weird bogey team for Wolves as well. They um, the last five meetings between the clubs have been one one. Um, eight of the last twelve have been one one. Uh, I think it was, um, and Wolves haven't beaten them at home for. Uh, I think it's since 1997 or something like that. It's, uh, apologies if I'm getting that wrong, but it's been a long time. Um, so it's got one one written all over it, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Um, but Wolves could really do with a well, first of all, a goal would be nice among you. Um, but then we need one, don't we, just to yeah. get that duck off our back? Yeah, exactly. Duck off well, our back, monkey off our back, whatever. <laughs> same thing, yeah. Um, obviously, apart from the, the cup, they scored a couple, but in, in the Premier League, that is, and uh. But I think, aside from the kind of players like I think Willock is a decent player, at St. Max and Mal, I think is a great player. I really, I'm impressed with him. Um, aside from those kind of players that can make things happen, I think Wolves should have enough quality to win this game. Um, on paper, that is. It depends what performance turns up, and we've seen it be a little bit inconsistent the last couple of weeks. Um, it's not going to be easy. You know, no Premier League game is going to be uh, a guaranteed walkover, but Wolves should have enough quality at home. To do to, to do the business, but again, a bogey team haven't won at Molyneux yet. It's the stars are almost aligned that it's it's going to be a, a draw or, or otherwise. But uh, I do think they've got more than enough quality. And as you say, with the injuries, Lasalle is out injured, um, and Wilson's out injured. I don't believe either of them are going to be back in time uh, unless we find out anything new tomorrow with Steve Bruce's press conference. But I don't think either of them will be back in time. Um, and they've got a couple of others. I think I think Shalvey or one or two others as well. So. Um, it, it, it favours Wolves, it certainly does. Um, but by no means that means it's the Wolves win. I think we've learned that over the years. Let me um, not throw you under the bus, but put your neck on the line. What's your score prediction for Saturday, Liam? I'm going to go 2-0 Wolves. 
I'm going to gonna be positive. Um, I think Raul's going to get another one. I think Troy's going to have a great game. Um, and I think we're going to have a bit more of that positivity back at Molineux again, hopefully. Do you want to let the viewers know where you're off to after this podcast? Yeah, so unfortunately, I'm actually going to have to rush off now. Um, a little, I did mention to your messenger, yeah, I've uh, I've signed up. Uh, I just mentioned it to you as a martial arts class, but I've signed up for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, I, I don't think, I'm not sure, I might have mentioned it on our podcast possibly, but if I haven't, I'm a sort of massive combat sports fan. So boxing, MMA, um, I've, and I've wanted to do Jiu-Jitsu for years and just never done it. So I sort of just, you know went for it, uh, signed up, and I've got a free trial tonight. So if all goes well, um, and uh, a few years down the line, one of my black belt, if any manager doesn't answer a question properly, they've uh, they've got me to answer to. There's, there has to be some sort of um, charity fight with you and Carl Akimi in the future <laughs> then, isn't he? I think we'll try and line that up. Yeah, I, you, I totally forgot Carl, does it? I, I've seen pictures of him actually before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he won the I British Open the other day, wasn't it? Something I'm, like that. I didn't I didn't know he was that into it. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't fancy my chances. He's, a, he's an athlete, Carl. He's a... <laughs> So I wouldn't fancy my chances. The, the tactics board that he broke his hand on would batter me. So I don't. I wouldn't even <laughs> want to fight Carla came in before the, the uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. um, but no yeah. apologies. Apologies, I can't give you more of my time. But I've got to. I've got to rush off. I'm afraid. No, thanks for coming on, Liam. Hopefully, we'll get you on in the um, in the future. Enjoy yeah, your session tonight, and hopefully, we'll uh, as I said, see you again in the future. Nice one. Cheers, guys. Have a good one. <laughs> Love that. See you later. <laughs> see ya. Right. Everyone, I've now got uh, Roger from the Gallagates uh, Shots podcast. How are you doing, Roger? I'm Sorry, right. I said Chris, a moment ago. No, no, it's all right. It's all right. You get, You've been you called get worse, have you? I've been called a lot worse, a lot worse. So, you know, nice to see you. Nice to, nice to be on a, a, a. It's the first time I've ever been on somebody else's, uh, like another fan's podcast. So, it's really interesting. Right? 90minute.com cousin. So, it's good to have yeah. you on. In the um, family. What's your. Sort of feelings going into the match on Saturday. Is it going to be another Trepidation. draw? Nine out of 12 Premier League yeah. fixtures have ended a draw. Nine out of 12. Matt Doherty was last score, which ended up as the winner back in December 18. Yeah. Um, like every game with Steve Bruce, trepidation, fear. You know, it's it, it's just a rinse and repeat, unfortunately. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll perform fairly well. You know, against Watford last game. Um, but if I was a Wolves fan, I wouldn't really have outside of Allen, maybe he's an, uh, yeah, outside of Allen's at maximum, there's not really much going on, unfortunately. So, yeah, I would, I would be fairly confident if I was a Wolves fan. But we, we do have a decent record. It's, uh, well, against Wolves in general over the last sort of, it's probably one of the teams that we've played. Some of our better football against, I got better results against probably in the last ten years. But who knows? Honestly, who knows? Back uh, in last season when we played uh, Newcastle away, I think it finished one all. Um, Wolves yeah. were in twelfth, and Newcastle were in seventeenth. Newcastle ended the season a place above Wolves. I mean, we're still sort of maybe in a hangover, but there's still no leniency offered towards Cabbagehead. Absolutely zero. Um, he was on it like, I mean, the Steve Bruce work, I probably filled about four hours with things to do with Steve Bruce, but it's the same sort of thing you get, you know, if you have any, you know, if you've got any mates or Wolves fans, Birmingham City probably, Hull fans, Wigan, Sunderland. He's just one of these managers. He's probably the last one who's kind of hanging on in there and that merry-go-round of like Hodgson, Hughes, 
you know, those like Pardew, those types of managers who who just kind of hang around and this will be his last Premier League job ever. And we're kind of stuck with him until probably until we're sold or until it's too late. Uh, Does the Sunderland background managerial reign hamper no, him a lot? Did it does, is that, no, did that sink I, in before he even began? For me, like not really. I think what comes front and front and centre really is his managerial record. You know, out of the managers who've managed, I think, 500-plus games, or I kind of think he's got the worst winning percentage. He's got it's down, like, 24%. And even that's worse than, like, your Pulises, Allardyce. You know, those managers, he's at the bottom. And I think the Sunderland thing is, speaking for myself, it doesn't bother me at all. Like, you know, he went to Sunderland and he said, oh, it was never my dream to manage Newcastle. Like, he's going to say that. You know, like, that's... He loves a cliche, so he's just he's going to say whatever keeps you know the Sunderland fans happy at the time. And generally, what comes about out of his mouth isn't really planned that well anyway. So he just says in the moment what he thinks. And yeah, the Sunderland things not not a massive issue. It's more everything else that Steve Bruce represents, unfortunately. So Liam just mentioned you're missing Jamal Lascelles on Saturday. Jamal Lascelles yes. scored the 400th goal that Wolves conceded in their 254 games. And the last time he played in the fixture, who else is missing for you guys? Um, I mean, Lascelles is out, but he, he's not really a big miss. He gave away two penalties in the games, in the four games that he did play. He was responsible for another goal as well. He's really, really off the boil. Um, but he's one of the, he's, he's that type of player. Um under our, I'm not going to mention it because we always get like, it's almost like a time as to when you can mention the R word. But like under the previous manager, he looked like he could be in England contention. And now he wouldn't get a game for the dog and duck, to be fair. Um, so he's out, but Fede Fernandez is a much better centre half. And then you'll probably play alongside Kieran Clark, who surprisingly is still playing Premier League football, but he's a steady, he's a steady Eddie. You know exactly what you're going to get out of him. Um, we're missing John Joe Shelby. I, I really dislike John Joe Shelby. Decker, who who does the um, Always Smiling Faces podcast on Gallagher yeah. Chats, he's, he, he quite likes him. I'm, I'm just not a fan. I think he slows everything down. He suffocates He suffocates the centre-backs, and we end up playing 10 yards, 15 yards further back than we need to be. He um, does a Hollywood pass, doesn't he, John yeah, Joe? Yeah, and, like, you know, he's undoubtedly got quality. Like, you don't get signed for Liverpool yeah. if you haven't got some quality, but... You don't get released by Liverpool as soon as it can get rid of you because his his attitude's probably not right. He's just not. He's. I mean, we are where we are in the league, and he's probably a player that he gets a, he gets a game for us because we are we are massively inconsistent. He is, but for me, if when he's fit, he doesn't come back into the side. Um, other than that, obviously Wilson, he's out until probably after the international break, so he's the big miss. He's the massive miss out of all the players. Um, because he's what he's what goal threat. Yeah. Um, I'm probably gonna. What's the word? Jinx balls here. Obviously, goal Linton's your main threat on Saturday. Is that still the case? Uh, well, probably Alan. He's probably our main threat. I mean, he's he's come on so much in from when he first when he first came to Newcastle. He was he obviously had undoubted talent. And maybe he's a bit like, obviously, I don't watch Wolves all the time, but my impression of Traore is he was a bit of a show pony to start with, but he's he hit, was it last season, he started to play a bit more consistency and, and actually supply 
chances and supply goals and Alan St Maximum's in that place right now so he's he's the big threat um Joe Willick is a good player um hasn't recaptured his form from from the back end last season but he's a threat as well he's a good player um but it just depends what system Steve Bruce comes up with you know how he plays him Joe Linton's played okay the last couple of games kind of on an outside left kind of formation we play with a bit of a false you know, Alan St. Maximum kind of plays up the centre, but he finds himself all over the shop. So you have got to allow a player like um Alan St. Maximum just to go at the avenue. Yeah. Um Gallagher shots Dubravka, is he still out? Yeah, Dubravka's out. Yeah, Dubravka's out. Um I didn't even mention him because he's probably not gonna you know, be long. Yeah, he's gonna be he'll be out for a while. So but Carl Darlo still got long COVID, has he? No, Darlow's back. He oh, came he? back against Leeds. It was a bit of a we had a bit of a debate on one of our shows about uh, Woodman, who was the deputy for um, for Dubravka, for Dubravka and for Darlow. And I would have kept Woodman in, but he went with Darlow, and it was a good decision in the end. Um, he played really well against Leeds. He didn't really show that much rustiness, which is which is really encouraging. And he played well against. I mean, he didn't have much to do against Watford. Couldn't do a lot of, about the goal. Uh, and and he, I think he gives the back four a bit more confidence than having a young young keeper behind him. So that's kind of improved us as a result of purely just being more experienced. So, yeah. Um, we did a, a feature last season, which I it was fan cast FIFA, and I played Decker at FIFA. Um, I think I won the game of Craig's in our back catalogue. If you want to actually go and bore yourself for 10 minutes, <laughs> the latest, latest FIFA 22 came out this week. You can yeah. see the stats there Adama and Alan St. Maximum, both of these players that are getting heavily linked with, with transfers yeah. at the moment. Come the end of the season, who's going for the more money? If both went. I, put, I'd, I mean, I, I think somebody might tempt us in January, depending on the situation we're in, but I. I mean, I, I watch Alan St. Maximum more than Traore. Um, I would have Alan every day of the week. I think he's he's far more, from watching us, he's far more key to how we play than how Traore is. To how you, I think you've got Jimenez, uh, is it this, what's the set? Uh, the Pudo, uh, Pudons? Ponce, yeah, Pudons, yeah. Yeah, Pudons. And then... Neves is it Neves the centre midfielder? Yeah, that's right. So I think you've got a lot more players who are more First influential tall. in yeah, the yeah. system than we have. Is basically if Alan's having a good game, we are having a good game. So I think I would I would I think Alan St Maximum would go for more money. Personally speaking, I'm not sure if you've seen any of the the recent sort of FIFA glitches. But the main question that everyone wants to know at the moment is, if I'd, if Adama Traore's pace is 96, how fast is Steve Bruce? Steve Bruce is the fastest man on two legs when there's a bacon sandwich on the go. We're, we're proud of him. We're like, you know, we didn't know he had that in his locker. Like, and I think it's something that should be celebrated because there's not much else to fucking celebrate, no. unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I was uh, as soon as I saw that and all the memes went around Twitter, it was like it made a change from people talking about the takeover or not, which isn't happening. So, you know, what's your what's the current situation for Wolves fans that aren't really fully in the now? I know it's gone, it's going to the court of arbitration now, is it? Yeah, it's funny because like it's kind of like it's a it's I think probably out, outside of us, nobody really cares about our takeover, I don't think. I don't know how you feel about it, but like 
I know there's been protests. Yeah. I know Mike Ashley has taken the piss to be complimentary. But in regards to yeah. whether the takeover will actually happen. Yeah, no. I think I think where we're at now is there's there's this arbitration that's going on, which is basically Mike Ashley's upset because the Premier League blocked the takeover and he's taken them to court based on the fact that he's lost a sale. Yeah. So essentially he could have been money in the bank, bosh, bosh, bosh. The Premier League blocked it. And then Newcastle are accusing and have said that the big six or other clubs had lobbied the Premier League to say, no, we don't want to take over by another, you know, a kingdom of, because it would basically make us the richest club possibly in the world, which is a frightening, mind-blowing idea. Um, Mbappe was signed, wasn't he, at one point? Oh, mate. We started with Mbappe and then we signed Andy Carroll on a free transfer. Like, that is Newcastle all over the shop, you know what I mean? You can't write it, can you? It's ridiculous. But um, I think, for me, like, a lot, I think, if I speak for the Gallagher shots anyway, we generally try not to talk about the takeover and about the arbitration and about the legal case because we haven't got a clue what's going on. So it we wouldn't we can't really give any insight other than the facts. This is what we know. It's ongoing. There's gonna be the next court date's the January the third, which is a bank holiday, which is weird, but it'll take about a week. And then but even then that doesn't mean the takeover happens. It means that they've agree, agreed a resolution to this arbitration between the Premier League and St. James's Holden, but it doesn't mean that the takeover then happens. We could be another six, seven, you know. So it's pie in the sky at the minute, unfortunately. Um, so we'll still be with Mike Ashley probably in an unhappy marriage for another 10 years, I would say. Things could be a lot worse, though, couldn't they, Roger? You could be in League One trying to crowbar you right out of there. <sighs> to be honest with you, the way... I, <laughs> We're, we're in like, we. I think one of the, there's, there was a lot of Newcastle fans on Sky Sports a couple of weeks ago and we just, Newcastle kind of just exist. Do you know what I mean? Like we don't, we don't sign players. We don't, you know, if you ever, you know, if you come up to St. James's this season, it's an absolute wreck. Skeleton staff in the stadium. We kind of just bob along. Steve Bruce, he said in his press conference last week, I'm keeping Newcastle ticking along. And that's, is, there, that's, is, there, is, is there much more that he can do with the financial restraints that he's got? With um, he's lost to Bradford, well, he's lost Callum Wilson. How, how think, much further can he take this team when I've already mentioned that you guys finished above us last season? Yeah, I think we're in a totally false position, personally. I think we were, you know, large swears of the season. We were absolutely abysmal. We went through a 21-game period where we didn't win a game. And, you know, I was, ironically... Uh, I was watching the football at the weekend and they're on about Nuno at Spurs and, you know, he's had a, a mixed start. He started well and then they've kind of dropped off a little bit, but already they're talking about him. Oh, he's not good enough for Spurs. He's not this, but I think because Nuno hasn't really got, he hasn't got friends in the media that kind of support him. And because he's a foreign manager, it's easy to pile in on him. Yet when we bring up the issue of Steve Bruce, worst performer manager in the Premier League, it's like, oh, no, he's doing a good job with the, the resources available. But he's had more money than Benitez. He spent £40 million on Joe Linton, uh, £16 million on Alan St. Maximum. Callum Wilson was about £20 million. We've got Fraser for a free, which is a pretty good pretty good going. So I think to say he hasn't had the, the money, I think is a bit of a, like, I think it's a false perception. 
um, obviously we're, we're under massive constraints. There's no yeah. getting around it, but he has had money. And I think there is a decent squad there like that can achieve 10th to 15th, yeah. which is, an, you know, which isn't great for a football fan, but that's, that's kind of our expectation. That's kind of where we hope, well, we hope we'll finish. But, but you finished 12th last season? Yeah, like I said, <laughs> it, towards the end of the season, you know, give, give Bruce's credit, we, we beat Leicester very well, we beat them well, but we beat Fulham, who were down, Sheffield United, who were down. You know, it was a bit of a... We played teams, in, our, in my opinion anyway, I think we played teams at a good time, and we just... Wilson came back, Alan St. Maximum came back, and then we picked up. But I think it's in spite of Bruce rather than because of Bruce. I think the formation changed by uh, Graham Jones, who's the assistant, the England assistant as well. He, I think he had a big influence on on how the team played. Um, so, yeah, I think we're kind of, we'll be in that area by the end of the season, hopefully. But we're just hoping there's three teams who are shitter than us this season again. Steve Griffiths in the comment section. I'm not sure where Newcastle fans think they should be with their squads all full with no investment. But I think that just goes back to, to Mike Ashley and the restraints that he's putting you under. You're going back to the Joe Linton um, comment and the fact that they spent £40 million. Do you think that's just a whole, the, the club failing to do due diligence on the striker, thinking that he's probably the next Firmino just because he came from Offenheim as well? Yeah, I think, I mean, he was offered... or. Oh, he was offered to us, which I always think is a dodgy, you're on dodgy ground when players are getting offered to you. Yeah. And we had a chance to sign him under Benitez. Oh, I mentioned him already. Damn it. Uh, and he, he didn't, I mean, 40 million, he didn't think he was good enough. So. 40 million pounds, still a lot of money, isn't it? It's a, it's a even lot. At Premier League level. It's a lot of money to, for a player who, and, and I think they put a lot of pressure on him by giving them a number nine shirt. I think if he'd, if he'd come and they hadn't built him as a striker, if they build him as an outside forward, like then he might have got a little bit more leeway and the expectation and the disappointment when he didn't perform wouldn't yeah. just be as bad. But I think Bruce said he's, you know, we had him as his number nine, he was a striker. And and then after about twelve games, Bruce then sort of backtracked and said, Oh, well, he's not a striker, he's a and he's like, Well, why have you spent forty million on this player then? So I I think you know, there's a few favours being done by agents to the club and the club to the agents, and I think I think that's how we end up with Joe Linton, to be honest with you. Let's try and get a bit more light-hearted as we end towards the, yes. the end of Come the episode. On. This weekend, for me, it's the Carl Court derby. It was the sort of former Wolves player that played for oh Newcastle that stands God. out for you. I totally forgot that Carl Court played for Wolves. Yeah, I was Boyer, Mike Williamson, watching... David Kelly. I watched back that free kick. Um, can you remember the free kick that Katsbaya scored? Yeah, Sheffield it Wednesday, like, yeah. It was a bit of an interplay and then he absolutely yeah. smashed it. The Mad Monk. Oh, what a legend. What a legend. I think, yeah, I would I would say it's the Katsbaya. It's the Katsbaya Classico, I would say. The Katsbaya Classico, I love it. What a player. What a player. Did you see that? Have you seen the clip of him kicking the boards? Surely you've seen the clip. Yeah, we all have. Any, anyone who was like a 90s kid definitely has seen oh, that. Mate. Him, uh, Pistano trying to calm him down. Yeah, he's not. That's not happening. I was trying to think. I was trying to think of some other Wolves players that have played at Newcastle, but those are probably the only four I could probably think of. Yeah, there's like really like old ones like John Burridge, who played for about 100 oh, clubs and Budgie. players like Budgie. Yeah, what a but, legend. Yeah. 
game that both teams need to to win on on Saturday. Newcastle probably a little bit more than Wolves. Um, yeah. Who are you sort of fearing most from Wolves squad on Saturday? Um, obviously, uh, Jimenez has come back and he scored last game, so that's that's a big threat. And he, well, he's a, he's a threat anyway. And I think it's just having that focal point. Obviously, Triori, if he plays when he's when he's lubed up and he's ready to go, I think uh, I think our if he plays on the our right, if he plays on the right hand side, does he play on the right hand side or the left, or does he? He's been mixing. I think he's been starting yeah. predominantly on the left this season, and sort of we've had like sort of uh, inverted wingers, but it, it all depends on yeah. um, how Bruno sets up on Saturday. He might not even start again, Adam, obviously because we won the last game. I think it would be wise to start him on it facing up against Matt Ritchie. Like Matt Ritchie's been playing. Is, that, left is back. that your your main left back at the moment, is it? Even though he's a was a winger probably about ten yeah. years ago and now he's Steve Bruce classically playing players out of position. So he's just he's your been, Johnny Wilkinson really. He's just your set piece yeah, merchant, isn't I mean he's, he's a he's a you cannot fault you cannot fault him at all like aside from the fact that he's just not quick enough. You know, he's his intensity you know he's he can pick a pass. He's you know he's a good player, but he's just not quick enough to play fullback in the Premier League. He's probably not quick enough to play midfield. He's not you know he's he's just lacks that pace. And Triori will have an absolute field day against him if if they go, you know if they go up against each other. Um, I think I think obviously and then that is it is that the centre midfielder um, Neves yeah Neves he, he, he didn't start the last game because he was awful in the in the Carabao Cup, but. There's a chance that he may come in, but it's like I said, Wolves won the last game, and I'm always of sort of the the mindset you never change a winning nah, team. I don't know yeah. about you. I'm the same. Yeah, I would keep. I mean, I, I saw he's against Wol- uh, against Man United, and I was like, oh man, that was a re- you know that was a really really strong performance. Um, and I think did that end in a draw? Did it draw? No, we lost one nil. Oh, didn't the, one in, the one in the last minute. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and there was a foul. There was a foul on. There was a foul on Neves, wasn't there? That was, was it by Pogba. Yeah. Yeah, so I think like what? How how? What's your kind of impression as to how Wolves have started the season? How how are you feeling? Sort of. We started the first three games like something that I've never really seen Wolves be on the front foot so much. You saw like sort of the chance uh, chance creation sort of xG that we've had in the first three games, and we we battered teams. Like you look at, I went to Leicester away. The two games are home to Man United and Tottenham. How we came away with those three games with zero points was mind-boggling, to be honest. Yeah. And then you go to Watford and you win two 0 but it wasn't a really exciting win. It was a bit of a rough and ready win. And then yeah. you go and lose two 0 at home to Brentford. So it's been indifferent. But yeah. I think we've still got a bit of a hangover from the previous regime, where the previous coach set us up to stifle teams instead of trying to get us on the front yeah. foot. Where Bruno Large, I think, sir. Uh, trying to get us moving forward. I think we didn't recruit well enough in the, in the summer, but hopefully January and next summer we can yeah. try and push towards our Europa places again. On Saturday, three o'clock, what's your sort of <laughs> score prediction going into that? Um, God knows. Um, I mean, we need... We it's need a one-all four... draw, isn't it? I'm not sure yeah, why I'm even asking. I mean, we it's need a one-all a... draw. I mean, no, normally, you would, in a weird draw, you'd take it every day of the week. Like for a team like us, you were taking away a draw, but really, we need to win this game because we've got three points out of a possible eighteen. We've got some really hard games coming up. We've got Tottenham after the international break, Palace away. Then we've got a really, really sticky set of fixtures, and we just 
I think we're scratching my heads to think like where we're going to get points from. And we stink of a team like the McLaren team and um, the team that got relegated under, well, several different managers. But I was going to say, I was going to say, Rauder instantly came into my mind then for some no, reason. No, 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 he kept up. He, he oh, did kept he? up. He did, yeah, yeah. It was like the sort of back end of Pardew and then um, who took her down? That was, Joe oh, Kinnear. Was it, Joe Kinnear, then Shearer. And kind of, like the Watford game, we played well, but we didn't win. And that is the hallmark of a team who's des- you know, who's looking at relegation. You know, we- when you're not winning games, um, but you're playing okay, or you're playing well and not winning, I think it's really going to struggle. I think we're going to struggle. So um, I always go with a 2-1 win, just for no other reason than it's got to happen sometime. And I think, you know, I think, I think both teams are going to be thinking we can get something out of this. I think Wolves fans will be like, God, we're playing Newcastle, get in. Uh, and we'll, I think Newcastle, we can, we can hurt teams, we can hurt teams, but it's what, what does Steve Bruce do? What, like, how does he set the team up? Is he going to go back to five at the back and make it really negative? Or is he going to go with this 4-2-3-1, which kind of releases... Alan and some of our more forward-thinking players. So I'm going to go 2-1 win, but there's absolutely no basis to have, you know, yeah. that I've based that on. Pure potluck. It's, yeah, it's like what you just mentioned there, going into when 2 o'clock when the lineups come out. I think a lot of Wolves fans would like us to go sort of 4-2-3-1, but yeah. we're so so regimented with five at the back and obviously Conor Cody spraying passes, but... Like you said, with the injuries that Newcastle have got, I want to see us going at Newcastle from yeah. the start. So I've said this season after the, um, I predicted Wolves to beat Brentford to four uh, nil that I wouldn't predict us to win this season Whoa, again. Oh, that was ambitious. Yeah, I, to be honest, I did say Wolves four, Brentford nil. Cue the Kirby enthusiasm music when Brentford win two nil and it went and happened. So I, I, I said I'm not going to predict Wolves to win this this season again. So I'll go with uh, a two all draw. I've never gone with a four nil win for Newcastle. Ever. Honestly, after the after the three games Ever? where we no. had against Leicester, Man United, and Tottenham, I mean those are teams yeah. that are pushing top six. You'd, you'd think, and <laughs> here we came away from those games not scoring a goal and with the chance that were created for if ever there's a team a promoted team that's going to actually get a pace and it's going to be this weekend did and Brentford just did an absolute number on us and yeah. as you've seen so far Brentford are doing really well this season I don't think they'll struggle to stay up if they can continue this sort of um intensity that they're bringing to the games yeah. obviously their home form will be massive for them massive, I mean they're, 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 they're a good side I mean they've got Tony up front, who was at Newcastle many, you know, a few years ago, and we let him go. And Wolves tried to sign Ivan Tony, but I think before Newcastle did, and he failed a medical. Really? Yeah. Good knowledge. Good knowledge. So yeah, you look, you look at him now, and how much did you sell him again? I mean, it's just going back to another, another case of bad management. Is it? Um, was it looks like one and a half million? If yeah, I think to Peterborough, I think he did a few loans, but you know, I think. Players have a place in time. At the time, he wasn't. wasn't he didn't look like he was going. You know, he yeah. wasn't in the squad. You know, there's loads of youngsters with Lecco who've gone into non-league, and then there's the ones that do. You know, who managed to find their way. And that, that's football, unfortunately. Like, um, I doubt he would be doing that for us now. <laughs> yeah, you talk about players in time, and I still feel it's one of the not one of the biggest sort of disappointments in football, but talent-wise. 
to see Noel Ranger. But I mean, where's Noel Ranger nowadays? Oh, mate. Um, he had such talent, that lad did. Yeah, he, had, he was a, a hell of a hell of a player. Um, last I heard, he was at Oldham, maybe, or Blackpool. I think he went to Blackpool. I think he's been at Oldham. Um, God knows, he could be He could be at McDonald's at your nearest retail park. Who knows? You know, he, he had a real talent, but he was just a bit of a dickhead. Young, young men and money. I've Too never much, had. I've, yeah. I've, I've, I'm not young anymore. I've never had money. Yeah. On that, Roger, thanks for coming on tonight. Are you coming no, down to Wolverhampton the weekend? No, I will be sitting watching an illegal stream, shouting on the lads. So I'll uh, I'll be watching from the comfort of my my home or the or the discomfort of my home. Thanks for coming on, Roger. Take no, no, it was a yourself. pleasure, mate. Nice one. Good to see you. Good luck, lads. Good luck for the. 